How you guys doing? It's your name, your family. This is your host, Mark Karaki. Super excited to bring you yet another episode of the podcast. And this time around, we have a returning guest. It's been two years since I hosted Kate Wanjao, CTO at Trigger Foods. And two years in startup land is a decade. And since Kane was here last on the podcast, you know, the organization has grown in leaps and bounds. Uh, you'll hear about the numbers in this episode. And we've had the a small matter of COVID-19 in the midst of all that. So you'll hear about how they're responding to that as well. But this episode covers a lot about how they are approaching the world of the, the brave new world of data and how they are thinking about that in the organization and the evolution that they have gone through, him personally as a leader and as an organization. So this is definitely an episode that uh, I'm really excited to share with you guys because there's so many nuggets uh, in this one. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Enjoy the podcast. Joaquin, good to see you. Good to have you back again on the Chini Omaji podcast. It's been two years now, I think, or two years and change, I would say. Yeah, something, yeah, something around that timeline. But yeah, great, great to be back. I uh, have been listening to the other podcasts, great series, and yeah, glad, glad to be able to share my thoughts once again. Yeah, it's fantastic to to see you, and what a, what a, what a fascinating time to actually just be alive and be in tech and be, be living on this crazy planet. Um, COVID and uh, mm-hmm. so many things happening with that, you know, I am really excited to hear how you guys have evolved over the last few years, even since we spoke, mm-hmm. and what the impact of this pandemic have been on you guys. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I was thinking about how we would make this mm-hmm. conversation make sense for people. And I thought we'd structure it around your time at Twigger. Mm-hmm. And how, how many years have you been there right now? Yeah, so I've been there for five and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, be six years in November. Okay. Uh, yeah, so still, uh, still plugging along very, very well there. <laughs> did, did you Did you ever see six years down the road when you, when you signed, when you signed to join or what was your thought process back then? Yeah, great question. I, yeah, when I joined, I think the original plan was to, you know, take it as it comes. And, um, given, uh, the, the accomplishments you've been able to make as, uh, at Twigger, and there's always been something exciting, new, um, and, um, you know, the, the challenges and opportunities that come with, transitioning from a startup to a mm-hmm. scale up mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of the kind of work we do uh, the kind of uh, teams we work in and the size of teams we're in and yeah I think it's just been there's always been a new a new challenge a new thing to look forward to uh, and of course to you guys itself as it continues to grow yeah these are these are these are kind of day one uh, day one sense of things so from our perspective I think it's been very very fulfilling that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it makes total sense. I mean, I guess you joined now it must be 2015, late 2015 or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at that time, it, it was a very, it was a very different time than it is right now in terms of people making decisions to join startups, right? It was very, it was very early in our ecosystem. So it was very bold of you or brave, but, you know, mm-hmm. looking back over those six years and you talked about moving from a startup to now a scale up. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe we could talk about the first two years, the middle mm-hmm. two years, and now the last two years to mm-hmm. kind of maybe quantify that uh, experience, right? So does that make sense to you? And, and can you, can you, mm-hmm. if it does, can you speak to what, how have you guys evolved, right? 
what has how, how has that how has change looked like in those three different periods? Yeah, sure. So when I joined, I I joined as the first member of the tech team. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> <laughs> team of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, team of one. <laughs> uh, at that point, at that point, Riga had just uh, been around for about a year or so. Uh, mm-hmm. We had just figured out uh, the banana value chain and how to move products from farmers to vendors in an efficient way. Mm-hmm. And the role of tech at that point was to help the business think through: okay, how do you organize this information? Your farmers um, up in uh, the countryside, mm-hmm. your vendors in uh, urban cities, and uh, how do you just make that? process uh, visible if i can use that word mm. so that was essentially my role early on so uh, started uh, in november 2015 uh, first task was to think around uh, a team who can uh, work with me to execute that vision uh, and also understand the role of tech within the organization wow. so mm-hmm. uh, the first thing we wanted to do was focus on being uh, tech enabled so mm-hmm. what do i mean by that it means Technology can give you visibility and information that's relevant to the day-to-day operations of the company. Mm. So who are our farmers? Who are our vendors? What are we selling? Uh, What are we buying? And uh, how much are we buying or selling for? And uh, just giving us high-level visibility. I came into a process where it was all, um, you know, manual receipts. Maybe decisions were being made on WhatsApp. uh, Mm. And which... Which, to be honest, was great and appropriate for that uh, for that Period. time. Yes. Uh, one thing one thing I'm always cautious about is um, over 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 investing or over productizing what you do or how you do it before mm-hmm. before the, In right the beginning. Right. So that was the most important task was okay. How do we move produce from point A to point B in an efficient manner? Uh, and that's what the business had managed to figure out at the point I joined. So. Essentially, just building on top of that. Now that that all structure is in place, uh, can technology help give uh, visibility? So, yeah, first years were really around that, just uh, building um, tools and apps for the internal teams primarily mm-hmm. to be able to collect data, uh, have that data shared uh, in real time or near real time, and then also just thinking through some of the unique challenges we need to think of as a business, uh, even as we scale and grow. So, when you think about the fact that for uh, a lot of our operations are happening in areas where there was poor or low connectivity. Uh, how do you build technology for that environment? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you build technology in an area where power may not always be guaranteed? What are some of the investments or considerations we need to make as an organization? How do you use technology to build uh, trust? So for a lot of farmers, they had been used to brokers coming in with cash, giving them the cash. Mm-hmm. And then going with the produce. Uh, here we are, Stiga, saying, no, no, trust technology. We'll send you a text. Uh, we'll pay you digitally. And uh, it was just how to think through how technology can help ease and smoothen that uh, that process. Of course, the other things I need to go into that, uh, farm engagement programs, of course, building the right tools and uh, communication protocols with all these stakeholders. Mm. Uh, but really, if I was to summarize it in a word, we being a, we were focused on being a tech-enabled company. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next two years was focused more on being um, a tech-driven company. So what do I mean by that? So we have the base, we are collecting data. Uh, we're able to see that information and make decisions based on it. But then um, by transitioning to a tech-driven company, the idea there was, uh, can this information be shared in real time? 
uh, with mm-hmm. the relevant stakeholders. Uh, can we start using technology or data generated through our platforms to make uh, decisions that can impact the business? Mm-hmm. And uh, how do we get this information in a timely manner? Uh, when you're in supply chain, especially when you're in fresh, as we were then, uh, shelf life of produce is uh, very, very, uh, very, very short. Mm-hmm. So you could buy product today and um, by tomorrow, either the pricing has changed, uh, it could be the quality, of course, has changed, and you want to be able to make uh, real-time decisions. So we're really geared around generating and providing the right kind of information for the business to be able to make timely decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a technology standpoint, this meant rethinking uh, our platform, uh, building tools and ways to collect data from uh, sources that uh, are what I'd call non-traditional. So many people relied maybe on public or government statistics. Mm-hmm. We needed to think of um, other approaches like going to the market, serving the, the vendors at the market, uh, what are they buying at, what are they selling at, uh, feeding this in into our, our systems and that helping us make a, a decision on pricing. Uh, and then also using technology now to expand our our sales our sales efforts. So uh, maybe to give a bit more context into that, the way retail, or let me say general retail, because you have modern retail, which is your supermarkets uh, and your more formal establishments. And then you have uh, general retail or general trade, which is now your kiosks, uh, roadside stalls, uh, and anything else that's not uh, part of the, the formal the formal structure, they have always worked in a very different way where personal relationships matter. Uh, they're very happy to carry cash or go to the market in the morning. Uh, and how does technology give transparency or visibility to that process? So for us, it was really focused around building tools to keep, for example, our sales team to go around, collect orders, map our customers, mm. uh, have our fulfillment team use the same the same platform to execute deliveries. And uh, for us, I think the way we looked at it is the more we understand what's happening, uh, the more we have this information in our hands as quickly and as efficiently as possible, uh, the better quality decisions we can make. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our strategy and goal was oriented around uh, that at that point in time. And so that that tech-driven phase was really being being practical around what do we feel those two years can can help us achieve as a as a business. Mm-hmm. So that went well. Uh, we already we already had uh, the base from what we had done through the tech enablement phase, and so it was essentially just building on top of that uh, mm-hmm. to give us uh, better better visibility as a business. Mm-hmm. And then uh, over the last two years, uh, mm-hmm. we've focused on being um, a tech led company. What what that means is um, technology is now at the core and the heart of almost everything we do. Mm-hmm. This informs things like sales strategy, uh, supply strategy, uh, using technology for things like uh, uh, determining who 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 we sell to, how we sell to them, uh, introducing uh, new channels like um, M-commerce, where vendors can now order themselves through an app. Uh, complementing that with a call center, uh, which uses a lot of the t- uh, technology we've built over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now using data in a very, very uh, structured and skilled manner. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now we've really invested in making sure that um, every part of the business has their data and the information they need to be able to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, cascading cascading decision-making, I think, is something uh, technology has really uh, helped and enabled mm-hmm. us to do much better. Mm-hmm. The more data you have, the better structured that data is, 
the faster decisions can be made and uh, the more you're comfortable as an organization cascading down decision making because you're comfortable that information is in is in the right format and mm-hmm. with the right people to enable them make a decision we've ever said in uh, areas like um, uh, machine learning uh, recommendation engines for our e-commerce platform mm-hmm. uh, and so for us we are really seeing now that come to bear mm-hmm. uh, we've really focused on trying to get as many vendors as possible uh, order by themselves uh, through through our e-commerce platform we've made it uh, as easy as possible for example to optimize things like our supply chain where we can extend ordering hours up to as late as 9 p.m for next day delivery mm-hmm. so all these are really uh, investments we've made over time but it's now culminated in uh, trigger being a tech-led organization so the last two years has really been focused on making sure that uh, that has been uh, thought through planned and uh, and executed well Fantastic. That last piece over there, especially the machine learning and, and, and AI mm-hmm. stuff, you know, do you guys have the requisite amount of data to train your models? How are you guys stepping through that? Because, you know, obviously machine learning, you need adequate amounts of data uh, to train the models and make them make, make it come together. Yeah, sure. Great question. So I think the first thing um, that I feel has has kind of been overlooked is not so much the volume of data, mm-hmm. but the quality of data. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of data out there, you know, uh, I can go and get any piece of information I, I, I need to get, but- It has to be um, relevant to you, yeah. Yeah, how relevant is it? That's the first thing. What's the, what's the viability of the data? What I mean by that is who collected it? How did they collect it? Uh, is it still useful? Um, uh, data tends to, especially in uh, the retail and supply chain sector, tends to have a very short half-life, mm. uh, expires or becomes irrelevant very, very quickly. Mm. So do you have mm. the right strategies to continue to not only decide what to collect, but always make sure that you have the up-to-date piece of information. And mm. I mean, even when you're, when you're thinking around feeding in data or when even you're building training models or thinking around inputs, it's it's helpful, but you have to realize that it expires or becomes irrelevant very very quickly, and you need the right strategy to continue to collect that data. So, um, in terms of volume of data, to your question, I would say yes. But for me, what I found is more important is the quality of data, and how quickly you reinforce or refresh that data. So, just building the right mechanisms to make sure that that data is always up to date, I think for me has been the biggest insight in terms of how you build uh, a quality data set to make uh, informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And and even uh, if, we, if you put aside like uh, machine learning, AI, the whole recommendation engine piece to one side, even just your basic data for day-to-day decision making. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. to, give you, to give you like a very basic example, uh, price of food is correlated to the number of trucks that come mm-hmm. to the market on any given day. Mm-hmm. So supply demand classic, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the numbers uh, are less than expected. That will inform pricing. Right. Now, that's not something someone will tell you or uh, a model will have. <laughs> it's just the nature of uh, it's just the nature of uh, what has happened at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So could be rains, could be traffic, uh, could be any other thing that has delayed uh, trucks arriving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you need to be you need to be smart around. Okay, how do I get this data or how do I feed in this information? This this is not something you can kind of. This is not something you can uh, build like a, a predictive model. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something you just have to have presence 
either on the ground or have your own ways of always optimizing and understanding this data. I think over time you can always correlate some of these data points. Mm. But uh, as a, I think as a as a as a sector as a country we're still early in that kind of data, uh, data data game, and it'll take a lot. It'll take a while for us to get to a point where predictive analytics uh, is can be gleaned easily. Uh, mm. A lot of investment need to go into building the mechanisms uh, and the infrastructure to collect data and collect it on a consistent uh, collect it in a consistent manner. Fantastic. So from a team of one to mm-hmm. a team of how many right now over those, over those five and a half, six years? Yeah, so we're now uh, about 60 uh, wow. across uh, four, four disciplines. So uh, we have uh, software engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's one of the te- uh, group of teams we have. Uh, we also have a product team. So the product team helps us think through what to build, how to build, when to build. Uh, and do it in such a in such a way that it's aligned with uh, the overall business strategy uh, mm-hmm. that we've come up with uh, as Trigger. Uh, and then we have technical services. So technical services is responsible for all the infrastructure, uh, all the physical presence we need uh, for technology. So, given in supply chain, we have distribution centers, we have depots, we have collection centers up country. Uh, so all that infrastructure, just managing it and all the assets we need to uh, mm. issue and manage for the mm. organization, uh, that's taken care of by the technical services team. Uh, yeah, and then we have a, a newly formed team that's focusing on digital services. Mm. So it's just building on us being a, a tech-led company uh, with now a significant uh, number of our vendors ordering themselves through through the M-Commerce app. Uh, we're not able to layer other services on top that are beneficial to vendors. So things like uh, enabling them to sell airtime and uncommission, mm-hmm. selling of power tokens, uh, mm-hmm. and anything anything that can make a vendor a digital hub. Mm-hmm. That's what that team is focusing on. Yeah, so that's a very very exciting uh, exciting area. Uh, we see this uh, we see this opportunity as uh, us enabling vendors not only sell the typical physical goods they've done uh, to date, but then turning them into a digital hub where any service they can sell through through the platform is something they can easily do, um, and that doesn't need them uh, to make any additional investment. So that's all done through the, the M-Commerce app we've built. So, so yeah, that's that's the fourth team. That's exciting. Uh, so do you guys see yourself as your future? Quick question. Do you see you guys as, as, a, as a trigger marketplace for, for vendors to actually you know, have mm. all kinds of uh, opportunities to sell mm. stuff. I mean, airtime, what else do you see be throw, being thrown in that mix? Yeah, a marketplace could be one to look at it. The phrase I prefer to use is digital hub mm-hmm. or being the operating system for vendors. So as a vendor, when you start your day, uh, can I use Trigger to stock up my shop? Can I use, can I use Trigger to sell digital services? Can I use Trigger to get financing for my business? Uh, can I use Trigger to enhance uh, the qual- my quality of life? So the way we think about how we uh, how we serve vendors is we offer you convenience, uh, order online, get it li- get it delivered to you at no cost. So we save you the the time, cost, and um, effort of going to uh, get the goods physically yourself. Right. Uh, right. 
by, through all the investments we've made in our supply chain operation, uh, making sure quality is consistent day in, day out. Um, a big, big um, uh, many people may not know this, but a big factor of why vendors have to go early to the market is so that they get the freshest uh, quality produce. Comes with the territory, uh, so that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's busiest at uh, 3, 4 a.m. Wow. And if you go at them, it's almost too late. It's over. But, yeah, <laughs> you the boat. <laughs> if you think through the fundamentals of why that's the case, it's because they want to make sure they get the best quality. But if we can offer them standardized quality, regardless of what time we deliver to you the goods, uh, that eliminates or reduces a pain point for them. So that speaks to the to the convenience. Yeah, yeah. yeah so total total game changer. That I can I can completely that, see that. And and on that point, how many yeah. how what has the reaction been of your vendors to that experience? Uh, you know, have have it's some of them a, been blown yeah. away? Like, have some of them resisted? They're just so used to still going at three four a.m. because they trust themselves. What has been the mix of reactions across? Uh, your your vendor footprint yeah i would say overall overall great um a lot of vendors really really value the service we give them mm -hmm. um when you think about um vendors who had to think about their security at 3 a.m going to the market carrying cash mm. uh, that's largely eliminated uh by us having a constant relationship with them uh, we're actually giving a lot of them vendor financing and that's because we're interacting and trading with them on a daily basis Mm -hmm. uh, we have the information to be able to make an informed lending decision. Uh, I mean, delivering to your shop, uh, enabling you to order up to 9 p.m. And mm -hmm. maybe just to underscore that point, you know, for most vendors, their busiest time is between 5 p.m. and 7.30 or 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, when people are going home or on their way to their, to their residence and they'd like to stop by the shop or the kiosk and buy what they need for the next day. Mm -hmm. So best point of view in terms of stock or what a vendor needs happens between uh, 8 and 9 p.m. And by right. us giving them the ability to order up to 9 p.m. Uh, by uh, through our app uh, and by us uh, guaranteeing next day delivery, uh, those are some of the things that have really added uh, value to vendors. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a multifaceted thing. That's why I use the word, that's why I use the word operating system. And so for us, the more we continue to invest in uh, adding and giving vendors value, uh, I think for us, we'll feel we are, we are achieving our, our mission and mm -hmm. our, our goals as trigger. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways we can take this. Mm -hmm. I mean, just one thing, and I know, because I, I want to get to some, some of the other stuff about the organizational uh, impact in terms of growth and, and talent and culture, because those are very, very important, because you've been growing at a pretty fast clip and, and, and culture mm. and organization structure is impacted by that and how you lead, how you develop as a leader and how your organization has evolved, right? So I would love to, to tap into those. But before we go there, I, I want to kind of talk about this, this, this notion of analogies. Analogies mm. help you to even understand your business better and plan for what you can be. So you've talked about the operating system, the digital hub, and, mm. and these are not just phrases that you just mm come up with, they are, mm -hmm. they are, you're trying to understand your business. What, what does it analogize to in the, in, the, in, the, in the external world so that you mm -hmm. can understand your, your situation and opportunity better? Is, is that your, your instinct also, or how, how, how do you think about that? Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, maybe just building up from what our, our vision and our mission is. 
we, you know, we aim to provide uh, quality produce at the lowest price. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's like the base and the foundation. Mm. And then it's a question of how do you go about that. So, if 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 you think about vendors and uh, how they perceive and think of value, um, we're in a very we're in a very uh, unique situation. If you think about COVID and all the changes it's brought, for example. Mm. So, for example, uh, for for one, vendors are very uh, price sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is because you're trying to make every shilling, every dollar, you know, stretch as much as it can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then if you think through the principles of how do you make something uh, as cost efficient as possible, is then thinking through how do I get it to you as quickly and as uh, cheaply or efficiently as possible? Mm. Uh, How do I optimize cost to serve? Um, So how can technology aid and help that process? of uh, bringing quality produce at the lowest price to your doorstep as a vendor. And then once I've been able to achieve that, it's then asking, okay, we now we, we are now able to bring produce to you. Uh, how else can Twiga enhance your quality of life? And then mm-hmm. that's where concepts like digital hub operating system, all these value adds uh, come mm-hmm. into play. Mm-hmm. So I think from, uh, I mean, you know, analogies and uh, phrases and sayings can uh, can always be created. And there are <laughs> people who say them for the sake of saying them. Right. It's <laughs> uh, <but laughs> uh, a double-edged sword for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But is it in your ethos as a company? Does it reflect in the decisions you make? Right. Uh, have you internalized it from a culture standpoint? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You know, when you think about even how you communicate your values to your internal stakeholders, mm-hmm. uh, is this something they are aware of? And is it mm-hmm. something they believe in? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I want to achieve X, Y, Z. But does your team, uh, does your organization see a path to that to that right. outcome? Right. So, yeah, there's, there's usually both an effort internally, but of course externally. But it's really more your actions rather than your words that exactly. Um, exactly. will help you fulfill it. So... Yes, we, I mean, we, we try to communicate as clearly as possible what we are trying to do. But more importantly is uh, making sure you're, you're living and executing against that vision each and every day. Right. So it's not just something you say, it's something you do, right? Uh, exactly. Essentially. And, and in terms of this culture thing, right, you've touched on that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I interact with a few people from your organization and I'm, I observe from a distance. And mm-hmm. I am impressed by the level of commitment to to the work, uh, which is quite antithetical to what you would observe in local enterprises or businesses. The relationship of our local culture relationship to work is very arm's length. It's mm-hmm. very like transactional, but there is something different about how you guys have been able to engage your stakeholders internally. And mm-hmm. the question becomes, how has that come about? Yeah, thanks. I, I'll put it down to three things. Uh, I think one is uh, ownership. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, can we empower people to make and own decisions? Uh, mm-hmm. And just tying this to the point around uh, data and giving people information, it's it then becomes a question of, have you given people the, the structure uh, or the elements or the foundation uh, to make and own those decisions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm a sales mm-hmm. manager, uh, do I have real-time information on how my uh, area of responsibility is operating? 
kind of make decisions on the fly and mm -hmm. kind of justify why I made those decisions. So the 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 great thing about being um, uh, a technology led business or te for focusing on technology and data is you're really able to cascade and um, delegate uh, decision making mm -hmm. uh, as well as possible of course within limits and and where practical mm. uh, so that sense of ownership i think is uh, is important but it's it's not say we're giving you the ability to own something mm. but it's an, as an organization building the structure and the foundational elements to help people uh, run their day that way. Mm. So that's that's one. Then the second is tied to uh, our purpose and what we are what we are doing. Mm. I think everyone in uh, Kenya has uh, a relative or someone who is in farming mm -hmm. uh, or who has some interest in agriculture, one way or mm -hmm. another. Mm. Uh, for most Kenyans who are in uh, professional employment. The side hustle or their their second uh, second uh, income earner is probably agriculture related, mm. and so when people understand what we are doing, mm. they can have a personal relation connection. To yeah. Yeah. Mm. So for most people, it's it's really ah okay, I, I understand. There's that sense of understanding what you guys are doing. How it's helping um, increase or improve the quality of food, mm. uh, increase the number of people who have access to. Uh, good, good quality produce. Mm -hmm. uh, the investment we've made in uh, improving the quality of life for 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 vendors. Uh, so, almost everyone can have a personal relation to Twigger's mission and vision. So mm -hmm. I think that's how. Uh, and then uh, thirdly, uh, this is more specific on the on the technology side. Uh, for for a lot of what we've done to date, we've built it in house. Um, 80 90 percent of our software uh, are things we've built uh, and this goes you know the whole life cycle ideation mm -hmm. research mm -hmm. um, designing and uh, doing the engineering side mm -hmm. uh, all you know the whole product life cycle mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the training the boarding uh, and everyone else involved in in bringing that to to fruition mm -hmm. so that gives that gives uh, a sense of ownership of course um, there's a sense of, um, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of feeling that I can make a decision that will have a material impact on the business. Mm. Um, traditionally, I think with many organizations, it's been the kind of relationship where you go and procure a software, you modify it, and you make it you know fit for purpose for your business. Mm. Mm. But we've taken a different approach where we've said, let's build the software ourselves. Uh, that has definitely helped attract talent uh, mm. because they're who want to be part of an organization that's building rather than tweaking uh, products. So, exactly, exactly. Uh, that's exciting. That's a plus uh, mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'd say, I mean, there are, there are a number of other things, but if I was to pick uh, three that come to my mind immediately, I, uh, I would pick those three. But still, the, the, you still have to communicate these things. I mean, these things, yeah. what, what you've talked about, okay, so example, the, the, the trust and ownership, that's something you can implement and people can, it's a felt thing, right? The purpose and vision can be there, yeah. but it still has to be communicated and mm -hmm. uh, animated, right? Mm -hmm. And so how has that come about? I can see, understand the application, we're building our own stuff and you're running your engineering team and, and engineers mm -hmm. and technologists love that. That just makes sense. You know, let's mm. actually go do this hard, cool things that will have material impact in the world. The middle one around, especially now maybe outside the engineering team, 
-hmm. how has the purpose and vision been communicated you know like or, or do you just walk in there and somehow you just join a team of passionate people what's your communication what's been the communication style there yeah thanks so i'll probably focus that uh, on the internal stakeholder side because there's also external mm -hmm. communication as well uh but i think internally um one, it's what I mentioned earlier, mission and vision, making sure everyone understands that. And, and how and is that so, done, Kane? How is that exactly? So how do you guys communicate that? How, how, how if I'm joining Trigger today, yeah. how mm -hmm. do I get to understand that? How often is it repeated? Do you have rituals, ceremonies? Do you have, what's your process for internalizing that in people? Yeah, so the, I think the first, the first thing is uh, bef before even you join, yeah? Mm -hmm. One interview question I like asking is why are you joining Twigger? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What what do you see or how do you feel it can help your career or your personal growth by joining Twigger? And that's where you really get a sense of uh, this person's understanding of Twigger mm -hmm. um, and how they feel they can contribute to uh, to Twigger's growth. Uh, and that's where you first start communicating. So that's where the mm -hmm. conversation starts. Mm -hmm. And what you want is by the end of the interview, uh, the person has a very clear understanding of uh, triggers goals and objectives so that's step mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. then um, step two is having a very structured uh, onboarding process so any new joiner before you go into your specific area of work you spend two weeks understanding the business mm -hmm. uh, so uh, beyond the things that you need to do as as a matter of course administratively you spend time you know going to the field engaging with the sales team engaging with the fulfillment team uh, being walked through the business, uh, Twigger's journey, mm. uh, what we are trying to achieve. Got it. Uh, the whole idea around that is at the end of the two weeks, uh, nothing about what Twigger is trying to achieve should be foreign to you. So mm -hmm. you need to understand our values in and out. You need to understand how we've interpreted those values by now you visiting different departments, understanding how we go about our business uh, and day-to-day -day activities. Uh, and that's really the other key piece. And then... Um, Internally, after onboarding, uh, there are now other, um, other, I would say, common forums where we engage as an organization. Mm. So weekly town halls, uh, which is arranged by people operations. Uh, and the idea is to make this as broad-based as possible. Uh, you want them to be always tactical sessions mm -hmm. where you're discussing the X's and O's of, of, of the business. Mm. But it's more uh, what has changed, why are we changing, what's, what's the... What's a strategy? How are you living and onboarding that strategy? Mm. Uh, and then also things that help contribute to people's growth. So when it's not always, we need you to do this, we need you to do that. It's also Trigger saying, how can we contribute to helping you improve and grow as a person? Mm -hmm. Having that as a, a dedica dedicated part of someone's uh, time at Trigger. Mm. So you, what you find is at some point, it kind of self-reinforces because mm. once you have these routines, uh, these communication structures in place, uh, it then gets communicated and cascaded as more and more and more people join. Mm. Uh, given the size of Trigger today, uh, we found that uh, it's something we always need to constantly reinvent as well. So yeah. maybe what worked 12 months ago could be very different from what's relevant today and mm. definitely change 12 months down the line. So I think it's never static, always reinvent. Uh, but for us, I think we've, it's always something we're open to optimizing and evolving uh, even as we grow. Fantastic. On the town halls, are those mm -hmm. mandatory? Are those, you know, open? The, well, I wouldn't say they're mandatory, but we encourage as many people as possible to attend. 
but we do uh, we do make the recordings available. So mm. even if you're not able to attend for one reason or another, mm. and given in supply chain, we are a 24-7 business. Uh, mm. Someone for reason or another may not be able to attend. Right. Uh, you can always listen to our recording. So so that's that's the approach we've taken. Fantastic. And is 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 your is your CEO always at the town hall? Yeah, he's in. He's in most of them. Uh, actually, he does. Uh, he does uh, um, moderate or participate himself mm. uh, in quite a number of town halls. Mm. Uh, but we try. We also try to rotate and uh, bring in other departments. So mm. you know, mm. you could be in production, uh, engaging mainly with farmers, and you want to understand tech. Mm -hmm. uh, you may be in operations and you want to, you want to understand maybe commercial. Mm -hmm. So we try and make it as broad-based as possible so that uh, you get to know as much of the business uh, as, as, as possible as by attending the town halls. You know, I, I guess the other question I would ask, I'd, I'd ask as we wrap up here, you guys have grown from, um, I, I don't know what, you, what, 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 what was the headcount when you joined in 2015 as overall the organization? Mm -hmm. and, what are you, and what are you now? overall yeah i joined uh well i joined pretty early triggers only one year old at that time we're about around 40 across the whole mm -hmm. company mm -hmm. uh, we're now approaching a thousand wow um and this is across uh several departments so mm -hmm. even as you've grown you've created new departments mm -hmm. um we've uh, had to of course even within departments you've had to create new units to do different mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, I mean it's 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 been a big change, a big learning. When I joined, I knew almost everyone by name. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, now you may I mean, and you know, with COVID, uh, the thing with COVID is the people even in your team who join and not, not had a chance to meet them. Uh, <laughs> interviews were online. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, I had an interesting experience where someone in my team I interviewed them, uh, interviewed very well. They joined the team, and I only met them uh, five months after they joined in person. Right. So COVID has really uh, changed a lot of things, and and, and I met them in a, in a social setting. So you can imagine the <laughs> the way that well, that was interesting. So yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 a function of change. It's a function of growth. Uh, of course, as you grow, you won't you won't continue to know everyone. Right. Uh, but yeah, I would say it's been uh, it's it's been great. Like just living through that and uh, having to uh, adapt how we how we run and manage teams as a, as the company scales. Fantastic. And just final two questions. You know, mm -hmm. going from a team of one to a team of 60, mm -hmm. you had never mm -hmm. really run uh, an organization before. You are, you, are, you are very much a solopreneur, I believe, when, mm -hmm. when you are joining Trigger. And yeah. just to see you scale as a leader, you know, what are some of maybe the, what are some of the things that you have? What's your secret in terms of how you've been able to evolve, number one? And number two is, what are some of the things that you have learned along the way that you can share with people who might be on the might be on the app uh, coming in that following you behind, following behind your footsteps in terms of leading an engineering organization? Yeah, thanks. So first thing is um, first to sum it up is process matters. Mm -hmm. uh, as uh, as you join and maybe it's you and a few other people, uh, you can all sit one round table and make a decision very quickly. Uh, may not even need to be communicated. But then uh, once you get to a certain size, um, how you communicate and the process around it becomes really, really important. Um, you don't want to get into a situation where there are too many uh, broken telephone outcomes. You know, one thing you mm -hmm. say by the time it gets to mm -hmm. the person who knows it, yeah. Uh, yeah. something has completely. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but that means investing in process, investing in routines, ways of working, mm. uh, skill. Uh, and then at some point, you, you're not able to manage outcomes directly. Uh, so as you start out, you're probably an individual contributor, depending on the size of the team. Mm-hmm. And then you're managing managers. Sorry, you're, sorry, you're managing individual contributors. Mm-hmm. And that, at that point, you still have a good oversight of what's happening and can be involved in day-to-day decisions. But then you'll then transition to managing managers who manage individual contributors. Mm. Uh, and that then needs you to change how you think about uh, what you communicate, how you communicate, uh, how you measure success, and how information is, is cascaded. Mm. Mm. Uh, and of course, that keeps growing and growing. There'll be more people within, within the team. So you're managing managers who manage managers who manage individual contributors. And at that point, um, you're then now focusing more on strategy and the overall direction of the, of the, of the team or department you're, you're responsible for. Mm. So as, as you scale, what you then find is you're then mentoring people on not so much make decision X or make decision Y. It's more helping them come up with a framework around how they go about making decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Giving them the tools, the thinking tools. Giving them the tools, giving them the uh, routines, uh, and giving them the framework. Uh, and what mm-hmm. I mean by framework is when you have a decision to make, uh, who do you need to involve? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who do you need to get input from uh, and how do you synthesize all that and make an informed decision because mm-hmm. uh, what you'll find is your value as a as a manager over time is not making 10 or 20 individual decisions it's probably making two or three high quality decisions mm-hmm. that will then inform another 20 good quality or great quality decisions down, so, down the line yeah yeah so i think as you evolve the the main the main transition is Art of delegation. Big um, one. <laughs> famous, yeah, there's a famous quote by, um, I think it's Jack C of Twitter, where uh, you don't want to be the one writing, you want to be the one editing. Mm. So you want to get out of writing mode and editing mode. Mm. Um, to be, I mean, to be honest, it's not the easiest thing for engineers, especially mm. if you're in, <laughs> if you're making uh, engineering or product or whatever decisions you're making day to day that are very tactical decisions, getting out of that is easier said than done. It is, yeah. I think focusing on also who you bring in and trusting them to make that, those decisions is uh, is equally important as well. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. man. But you, your your growth has been meteoric as a, as, a, as a professional. Uh, I guess is it a lot of reading? Is it a lot of what what you what do you do to kind of what did you do to learn these things that you obviously didn't know before because you hadn't done them or you maybe you had read about them? How do you stay, keep growing? Yeah, thanks. I think a lot of it comes down to uh, reflection mm-hmm. and self-evaluation. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be very uh, candid on yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be very practical around what you can do, what you can't do. Uh, but you also need to give yourself space and time to think about the decisions you made uh, and maybe on a weekly or monthly basis. So, you know, just taking time, uh, sitting back and thinking through, okay, what decisions did I make? How did I make them? Could I have done them better or uh, in a different way with the same set of information I had then? Uh, and just constantly self-evaluating on how you can continue to improve. Uh, of course, reading, reading um, almost goes without saying, uh, but also what you read is as important as uh, how much you read. Mm. Uh, the people who 
who I know read maybe one or two things and they're like, oh, that's enough. I feel I have enough. So mm-hmm. quality versus quantity uh, mm-hmm. also matters. Mm-hmm. But then also as you're reading, like, you know, try try think through what you can get out of it. Um, uh, saying I read a book or I read a, an autobiography is great, but it's also thinking back, okay, what are the lessons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apply, mm-hmm. Um, and just making that part of your growth, personal growth journey. So mm-hmm. so those are some of the things I do uh, personally mm-hmm. to, to try uh, to try be a good a good manager. Fantastic. Well, listen, Kane, it's always awesome to connect with you. There's treasure trove of uh, gems and experiences and just good vibes that we can get into. But uh, I know you got to jump into your next call, and so have I here. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure, man. And thanks for taking the time. Pleasure. Thanks. Uh, it was great to be on the podcast again. And yeah, hope to touch base again sometime soon.